The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello and welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. You might know us as the co-founders of Of A Kind, the co-authors of Work Wife, or just two women who feel so strongly about their relationship that they own the domain ClaireAndErica.com. Related, head there to sign up for our newsletter and find episode notes. And coupon codes and now. And coupon codes. Yeah. And leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463. Hey, a note on coupon codes. Yeah. When you guys use them, you support this podcast, and that means a lot to us. So thank you. It's true. Um, so speaking of shopping yeah. and not shopping. Yeah. Um, you've been in the midst of a real like 2020 experiment, huh? Yeah. One I really never thought I'd do. I am in, I'm on a shopping strike. And I think just we should pause for a moment. That feels like momentous. I know. I've watched so many other people do it on the internet and like talk about it on the internet. And I've always thought that's nice and not something I will ever do. I, di- I, I didn't even know it was something you aspired to do. Neither did I. And I didn't tell anybody until I was several weeks into it because I wasn't sure I'd be able to do it. And I didn't want to <laughs> embarrass myself. <laughs> yeah. Be like, I'm going on a shopping strike. Yeah. And I just bought four things. Exactly. I really didn't think I could do it. Um, so what was the impetus? The, I would say the main impetus, other than no longer having a consistent paycheck, yeah. um, was that over the last really two years, my shopping had become so compulsive and it got really bad in the last year. So it started because I was pregnant and unhappy or uncomfortable with the way I looked. And I kept thinking clothes could solve it and they didn't. But I spent a lot of money trying to feel comfortable with how I looked. And then it was the same story postpartum. Like my body didn't look the same. And I was getting really frustrated getting dressed in the morning. And I just was buying so many clothes. And I was returning a lot of them too. But I also just recognized that it had become so compulsive. And I was like super aware of it as it was happening, but also aware that it was not sustainable. And then eventually aware that it was, and I don't mean, (laughs) I mean, it was not environmentally sustainable, but I meant it was just not like something you could keep doing. Yeah. Um, You couldn't sustain it. The world couldn't sustain it. It was (laughs) too much for everyone involved. I was starting to become ashamed of it, like wanting to keep it a secret, which I was like, well, that's a problem. And I remember like the only piece of marriage advice that my 
aunt has ever given me and that I think like anyone has ever given me in a way that I've remembered is she said, never hide your purchases from your spouse. And when I started to wonder if I should be hiding them, I was like, well, this is how we know we have a problem. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I was spending a lot of time on it, both like searching for things and returning the things. Well, the logistics become incredibly time consuming of mailing things back. Yeah. I was spending so much time doing it and it wasn't making my life any better. Um, And it wasn't making it easier to get dressed in the morning. And um, I hated how how much stuff I had, even though I felt like I was constantly purging. And um, yeah, I just... I was like, I got to give this a break. And I I think I just like got sick of it. I got sick of it. And I, I think it also became very obvious to me that whatever I was trying to solve was not going to be solved with clothes, with buying more clothes. And that it was really an issue of me being comfortable with primarily how I looked and like figuring out how that was going to happen, whether that's like, you know, changing my body in some way or discovering a different type of clothes or style that I'm going to claim. And whatever it is, the answer was not just buying more clothes as compulsively as I was doing it. And so, yeah, when I came back from Christmas break, I was like, I'm just going to stop. And I didn't think I'd be able to do it. But much like I think the sort of purpose that January has served for me every year, it's hard at first and then it becomes really easy because it's just your way of life. Well, you also follow the habits. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like the breaking of the habit is the mm-hmm. thing that is so challenging when it's something you do every day or whatever. And you're exactly. like, oh God, yeah. I couldn't possibly. And then you stop thinking about it so much. Exactly. And it just becomes off limits. So you don't even think it's it's not a question of should I, it's just, I don't do that. Yes, I don't do that. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, I respond incredibly yes, well to rules. You do. So, well, and yeah. that's like, that's how you've cut out, you know, like you decided about gluten that it didn't yeah. make you feel good. So you weren't going to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it has become a much easier to. So you've been doing this to. almost three months at this point. Yeah. I get. Oh yeah. 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 When I started, I said I was just going to go a month. And I think part of the reason I've been nervous to break it is because I'm worried that once I uh, break it, then I will like just open the dam. Yes. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I know myself well enough. Like I have been with an exercise routine, for example, that I do need to be consistent about it to an extreme for a long enough time to get to a place where I can sort of break the rules in order in a way that that works. I think that makes me. sense. I think a lot of people operate. I mean, yeah. I, the fact that you and I both operate that way doesn't say a whole lot, but I think that this is a way, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a way in which we operate similarly. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fascinating to me that it has really worked in the way that I've wanted it to work and in exactly the same way that dry January works for me, which is that it has made very clear to me the purpose that shopping does and does not serve in my life and the way it helps me and the way it hinders me. And it has made me be just a lot more conscious about it. And I do know that when I do eventually go back to it, I do think I will start out much slower. That doesn't mean I won't get back to like the height of it, but I know that by stopping it, I'll be more conscientious of it moving forward. And I think the biggest takeaway for me has been the realization that when I do have the impulse to buy things, a lot of, there are sort of like two main things that I, that I think of. One, I think, oh, I need this and like this will make getting dressed in the morning so much easier. And 80% of the time, at least, 
I already have four of those in my closet. Yeah. And and I'm going to it because it's something I recognize as something that like makes me feel very comfortable. Yes. So a beige sweater or something. Last year, I I made a list of like goals for last year, right? Mm-hmm. And one of my goals for last year was to not buy any black dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that <laughs> yeah. is the same thing for me where it's like, I'm comfortable in this. This is like me. This is, yes. you know, whatever. I th- that doesn't mean you need to own all of them. No. Yeah. Um, and I didn't buy any black dresses last year. Yeah. And it was astounding to me. And <laughs> I still really have impressive. plenty. Um, <laughs> right. right. As it was. Yeah. So the other thing that I realized that is, I think, actually more the biggest problem that I have is that I approach shopping for the majority of the time less out of a place of need and more out of a place of a collector's mindset. Mm. So I see something and I think that is so awesome and beautiful or wonderful. And therefore I want to own it as part of my collection. And I want to show it to other people through me wearing it. And I want to like tell people expose something about people me. To, yeah, yeah. I want to expose people about it. And I want it to tell people something about me because they see that I like found this thing and could appreciate it in the way that I think art collectors think. Like they want to put that on their wall because that says, look, I discovered this and I have the Isn't ability cool? to appreciate it. Yeah. And don't you think it's cool? And like, and I just realized that I don't need to own and wear things <laughs> that are cool just because they exist. Like I can just appreciate them. And I think part Do you of me just a Pinterest board for this. Well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, I realized that for the longest time I had an outlet through of a kind to be like, oh, we're selling this stuff. And that is how people can see this version of me expressing myself. And then when I was like, well, I don't want to buy this stuff anymore, I would constantly find myself wanting to just like Instagram it or something. Like I saw these incredible boots at the row. And not only at this point, I was still shopping, but not only were they insanely expensive, but I had plenty of black boots. And I was like, just found myself. I didn't. You needed an outlet for it. I need to tell somebody about these boots. They are the perfect black riding boot. And somebody needs to know about them. Um, And so I think releasing that is going to be part of this process for me of just realizing that like, you don't need to tell people that you found and appreciated this cool thing. You can just let it go. Yeah. Um, And so that's been, I would say, the biggest thing I've learned in this process um, is just like how I shop and why I shop in the way that I do. I feel like whenever I hang out with people recently, one question that always comes up is, so what podcasts are you listening to these days? Totally. Well, no one has a good discovery mechanism. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, So we're going to provide you with one. Yes. Um, We're going to share one of our favorites. Yeah. Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books is the award-winning podcast hosted by Mama Four and writer Zibby Owens. We were on her podcast. We listened to her podcast. We are very into it. Zibby also releases three to five episodes per week, which is wildly impressive. very prolific. Prolific. That's the word. It is all about interviews with authors and their books, and it is designed to help busy people, moms or otherwise, get their literary fix. Moms don't have time to read books. It's like listening to a conversation between friends that really sparks your intellectual and emotional curiosity. Zibby also hosts salon events, book fairs, and just like supports the book and reading community. Broadly. She's very supportive to the book and the author community and reading. Yes. And reading. reading. Just reading. All of it. Yeah. Also sign up for her mailing list at zibbyowens.com and you can listen to her podcasts on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do those sorts of things. You will feel like you're reading even if you don't even think you have the time to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If and when, well, when, mm-hmm. when, when you go back to shopping. Yeah. 
something that I have done at certain times and I'm doing now that I find to be really helpful is to tell myself, is to create just a different rule, mm-hmm. um, which is to tell myself that I'm buying one nice thing yeah. a month. Yeah. Um, and then basically to be like, and I don't set I don't set a budgetary limitation. I just like say one nice thing, which yeah. like doesn't include like t-shirts or yeah. like socks or like little, you know, whatever little things you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but does include something that feels like for me, like a fashion purchase yes. or something. And then I just keep like a note in my phone of those things. So it's like January, I bought this and like February, I bought this. And now I know I can't buy anything until March. Right. Um, But if there, but that also just forces you to like think and wait and be like, do I need that thing? Or like, why? Like, that's the other big benefit is I'm very aware of the things I'm still thinking about. Like, I really want a pair of perfect gold hoops, like kind of big ones. And I've been thinking about it for a really long time. I still find myself in many situations getting dressed in the morning thinking, that that would do something. That would look good. And um, so now I'm like, if I come across a perfect pair, I'm going to buy them because I... I, This is a considered... (laughs) This is a very considered purchase. It's not a like, looks cool, sounds fun. Right, exactly. And I think, you know... Part of it is that, too, is that I really, and I've talked about this before, I have such a fantasy of getting dressed in the morning being a simple, quick, easy task for me, and it never is. And a lot of the times I buy things because I think it's going to make getting dressed in the morning easier. And not only is that not the case, but the more stuff I own, the harder it is to even see what's in my closet. And I have a huge closet. Oh my gosh, you're making the problem worse. Yeah, exactly. And so I really just, my other big hope and goal for all of this is to really whittle down and recognize what it is I actually wear and what I should actually own. And that I did not realize how impossible it was to do that when I was buying new stuff constantly. And now I'm- really, I like that. Yeah. Now I'm really forced to reckon with what is in my closet. And yeah, I, I have to say that I do think I didn't expect this, but it has made me reckon with what a big part of all of this, my body images. And so hmm. resolving that in some way, whether that's like getting comfortable with my body or changing my body or whatever, it's helpful for me to be like, the clothes aren't the thing. Totally. Um, yeah. um, you found a really good Man Repeller article mm. that posed some sort of questions yeah. or uh, a checklist basically yes. to think about when you're buying things. So it's questions to pop before you shop. And there are seven of them. And I thought they were so well done. So one is, do I already own something that serves this purpose? And, and you've me, discovered the answer is pretty much always almost yes. Almost always yes. I feel like those knee-high boots I bought, that was, it was like, no. Which is also maybe why you're obsessed with them. Yeah, totally. Wait, we even talked about the fact that I did acquire <gasps> knee-high oh boots. congratulations. Um, Claire, they were my February purchase. I'm so proud um, of you and they, happy for you. They look great. I wore them on Valentine's Day um, with like an over-the-knee length dress. What, what do you call it? Like, like a midi a dress. Midi, yeah. yeah. It was a really cold day and I didn't wear tights and I just was like patting myself on the back I'm all the so way into the city. For you. Yeah, thank you. I love that. Thank you. Okay, but go on, go okay. on. Okay. Number two is is this one so much better that I would f- feel compelled to donate three things in its place? Number three, will it make getting dressed in the morning easier? This one's huge for me because I do. <laughs> I think you've I, made it clear I that do. this is the I thing. just this is my goal. Number four. I just it's this that's one of those things that until we spent so much time together, I just didn't realize was like a problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so dumb how much time I waste. Um, number four, what do I have to give up to get it? Or rather, can I afford it? Number five, if it were more expensive, would I still try to figure out how to buy it? I think that's a an interesting one. Yeah. Number six, will it elevate the other staples of my wardrobe? And then number seven, I think is the absolute key for me. If I ran into someone I really admire, would I want to wear it? And I think there were there are like 
this is something that will stick in my head along with something I read on Cup of Joe once. Um, the Cup of Joe one was, unless it makes you want to do a happy dance in the dressing room, you shouldn't buy it, which I was like, yes, I love that. This one, if we have a really important meeting or I think I'm going to see someone whose style I really respect and admire, I will like spend the time doing like, oh my God, should I try on this or should I wear this? Or like, what's what? And a lot of the time- Which fair, yes. Yeah, but a lot of the times I'm pulling like the exact same thing and it's things I've owned forever, like a like a pair of knit overalls that I just like feel really good about and have owned for years and years and years. It's not something new. No. And I kind of feel like that's the ultimate litmus test. Everything in my closet should be something or 90% of my closet should be something that I would go meet to wear Barack Obama or whoever, maybe Michelle. I'm less concerned about what we're Yeah, Barack honestly. Yeah. Although he did have like a pretty cute look oh recently. God, that, that was so yeah. surprising. I need to know the backstory yeah, about no, this. Yeah, it was a really, it was a really cute payment. look. Yeah. Um, but I agree that, that Michelle yeah. is more important to impress yeah. in this way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I loved I loved this checklist and um hopefully I will will refer to it when I go back to buying things. Um the other thing I came across recently that I was very into was is something called the 30 wears challenge. I, I like to think of it more as like the 30 years thought exercise, yeah. but you know, <laughs> it was the idea of Livia Firth, who is the co-founder and creative director of EcoAge and who also happens to be married to Colin Firth. And she um, is one of the OG sustainable fashion yes. people. Like I remember when we started Of A Kind, she was preaching about sustainable fashion. And, and she's been very into like uh, the green carpet and mm-hmm. re-wearing things and mm-hmm. uh, wearing sustainable fabrics and has been for years and years since yep. way before that was like the thing. cool thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. She wrote an article for The Telegraph that surface this idea. And it, basically she said, the biggest message is every time you buy something, always think, will I wear it a minimum of 30 times? If the answer is yes, then buy it. But you'd be surprised by how many times you say no. That should tell you something about how the current model in fashion is unsustainable. It needs urgent change. I um, that. It's so good and so useful. And I also just think speaks to the utility of things like Rent the Runway Unlimited, where it's like, these fancy dresses and things, can you imagine the scenario where you say you'd wear them 30 times? Like It's actually a really good test for, right, should you be buying this or should you be renting it? Yeah. yeah. Or should you just be like finding something in your closet and putting yep. a cute accessory with it and, you know, whatever Absolutely. it is? Because, yeah. yeah, I can't, like, unless you're going to wear this to every wedding you go to for the next three years or whatever it is, then this dress is probably not, not a thing you need to so own. True. Something that our management coach said to me when I was telling him about my shopping strike that I think applies to this too and and applies to all of these is he said, contrast is the essence of clarity. And I was like, wow, yeah, yeah. I was like, that does help me think about all of this in a new light of just like, sometimes you got to just like put these things in stark contrast in order to understand like what purpose all of this is serving in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Should we talk about trade shows? Let's talk about trade shows. So now that we've told you not to shop, we're going to tell you all the things we think you're going to be shopping. Well, slash like just what we're seeing in the world. So we used to go to trade shows for business. Yeah. Um, And now we... This we went this season to a couple of trade shows, sort of uh, home and lifestyle yep. trade shows, just to kind of see what's out there, just yeah. to see what's happening. Um, what is the new new? So trade shows are where designers and brands all get together, and usually like convention centers are just these big spaces, really inconvenient spaces, yeah. and they, um, far away from anything. <laughs> they set up these big booths to show their wares to mostly buyers. There's also like press and trend forecasters and stuff there. Um, so it's not and us. It's not like a cat yet. Yeah, us. It's not like a cash and carry situation where you're going to buy no. things. There are people are coming to decide what they want to place in terms of wholesale orders, if they want to partner with these people. Because um, so, there's some direct consumer brands there that don't do wholesale, but for the most part, it's people doing wholesale business. And I feel like the most um, 
sort of common cultural reference that might uh, work for people is the um, furniture fair in Sex and the City. Yeah, Eden is exhibiting his furniture at like a, yeah, it's probably the the big furniture show that happens every year in New York. Um, it, it looks like that. Basically, everybody has these big booths. Um, and it's a great place to go and sort of get a sense of what all the trends are that are happening. And so, yeah, we went this year, we did the, the, um, the home and lifestyle ones, like Erica said. Um, okay. So the one overarching thing that we saw that we hadn't been seeing in past seasons was just color. Yeah. Like so much color. It's not, there was no, there wasn't like cream and beige and gray yeah. that I feel like was just everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that you couldn't find color for a few years. Right. Basically. Well, and, and it used, there was a time where you would walk the trade shows and if you saw a booth that was super neutral and beige and white, it stood out. And that was like what sort of drew you to it. You were yeah. like, oh, these people are on something different. And um, then now it's flipped. Yeah. And it's like, Which now is, everything was, of yes, course. The yeah, nature yeah, of yeah, the nature of things. Exactly. So I feel like, I was sort of trying to figure out and I feel like it's moved, it's moving away from the sort of like Japanese minimalist aesthetic to a more Scandinavian aesthetic, but like not the whole Huga thing, more like, hey, um, like, like hey, the brand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like poppy. not like hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, the design brand. So the the brands that I feel like we're kind of exemplifying this that people that are sort of the bigger brands are Poketo, Hey, Chilowich, and Vitra and Herman Miller. It's more of just like a Scandinavian, colorful, happy vibe, and less of a cozy beige minimalist vibe. This this was funny. Um, I meant to tell you this the other day. I was walking by Crate and Barrel wearing my over the knee boots, and um, they had a whole window on Portugal. Um, and like Portugal color story, um, which I was intrigued by because I had not seen that called out as a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, As a design reference. Exactly. So many Um, beautiful, colorful tiles in Portugal. Exactly. Um, so one thing we saw a lot of was really beautiful glassware. And a lot of colorful glassware. Um, so this line R&D lab, um, made these really beautiful, thin colored, like little wine glasses and pitchers and things that you were like, oh, I want the green pitcher and like a couple little, you know, orange, like, uh, aperitif glasses. Um, yeah. And a lot of them were ribbed. Yes, and which really I love. So beautiful. So the one sort of consistent with all this glassware is it's all really thin and yeah. dainty. And I I love a thin glass. It just is, it's fun to drink out of a nice thin glass. It is. And you know, they break more frequently too. Yeah, so there's that. Absolutely. Um, lateral objects, which was more of a sort of like surfy design, yeah. beachy line. Really bright poppy colors. They had ombre glasses and just like bright glassware yeah. um, in general. Kinto, which is Japanese, and Sugahara, which is also Japanese and similar vibes. And these two have both been around for a while doing this, but I think are getting bigger now. I also have to shout out that Kinto is coming out with the most beautiful children's um, dishes that I'm so excited about. They are not bamboo. Bamboo has become really big in children's dishware. And it's which great. Makes sense. It's but... great and it's ecologically sustainable, but you can't microwave it. And I'm sorry, but I got to microwave my kids' food. I think that I understand. <laughs> so psyched about that coming out from Kinto. Sugahara has a lot of these beautiful um, little like night nightstand situate carafe situations where you have the little cup and the pitcher. And then Hawkins, New York has been doing really beautiful glassware for a while now too. And they do almost like confetti or confetti maybe is... Well, yeah, they have two. They have yeah. that like marbled one that you're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about that's almost like a Mexican vibe. Yes. Um, and then, but they also have this really thin recycled glassware that's um, like pastel colors. And yes. It's sort of more everyday drinking wear and reminiscent of those Bormioli glasses that you and I both like, those short little wine 
juice glasses. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Spanish, the Spanish juice glasses. Yeah. You, you wrote in the notes, which I thought was perceptive, is that it does kind of feel like where ceramics was like five or more years ago, where it's just like going to start, you're just going to start to see everybody doing glassware and you're going to know who's doing glassware and glass blowing. I wonder if there's been something in terms of production that has made it easier for smaller lines. I don't know. Who I'm knows? I don't remember where I saw glass blowing happening recently by like an amateur. I don't know. Maybe. Um, curious. Yeah. Um, something else we saw was designy first aid. So face masks and yeah. not, not surprisingly. We saw like a really, like the sleekest possible, luxy, luxest possible version of a face mask you could, you could find. It was called Aranium Urban Air Mask 2.0. It comes in like gray and pale pink. God, and who would want the 1.0? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, it does feel kind of, um, dark to be talking about air masks right now, but that's where we are. On a much lighter note, we saw the most delightful uh, bandages ever. They're bio-Swiss bandages, and they come in the shape of soccer balls and pandas and bacon and unicorns. They also just were really soft and squishy in a way Mm -hmm. that was satisfying. Like they weren't, I don't know, sometimes Band-Aids feel not great, and these felt great to me. They felt great. And I love, so the brand Band-Aid has some really cute designs like but they're all in the sh- traditional yeah. shape of a bandage these they would cut into the shape of bacon or a soccer yeah. ball or whatever and i was really charmed by that um and then the other thing we didn't see this at the trade show but it feels like it falls into the same category is that there are all of these designy emergency preparedness kits that are coming on the scene um they again also, a little dark yeah but, a little you know, dark here we are there are these like direct to consumer probably venture backed companies so the most recent one that i've seen is called judy j-u-d-y and then another one that's been around for a while that is so crazily expensive um, and very beautiful very beautiful is called preppy P-R-E-P-P-I. They did a smart thing or somebody did a smart thing and did like corporate gifting. And I, the first time I saw them was that Mandy Moore got a personalized one with her name like beautifully painted on the outside of this canvas bag full of, you know, water filters and <laughs> dried, air dried food and things the like world that. we live in. Yep. Um, okay. Um, we also, this was not a surprise, but I hadn't seen a lot of it before going, um, was oat milk as an ingredient, mm-hmm. um, especially in chocolate bars. There's a lot, there was like a lot of fancy oat milk chocolate popping up. Um, one of them was from this new line called Schnog and Noss, which is an offshoot of Fine and Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another line called Raka, R-A-A-K-A. I think both of these brands are, are based in Brooklyn too. I think that's right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's vegan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a lot of just designy, sustainable food and drink containers. Because which great to great to see. Oh, great also, to I see. feel like it took a long time. Huh? It did. It did. Like longer long than you would think. Yes, for, for this sure. To happen. But no offense it, to Glasslock, but like. <laughs> Exactly. I do. I mean, I think it's just starting to become a source of shame for people to carry around disposable um, versions of these things. So finally, there are some beautiful versions. So one that Hay has been doing is called the Soden Water Bottle. And it it looks like a sculpture, like a vase or something you would put on your, as a centerpiece on your table. But it's a water bottle. And then we've talked about um, on the show before, Stojo Cups, which I'm You've got one in your bag right now. I do. I'm drinking, I've got, I had used it for my matcha today. Um, And they are these collapsible silicone cups that are really easy to carry around. 
We also really like Porter by W&P Design, which are the like sort of fancy, Mm -hmm. pretty Tupperware containers. They're quite beautiful. The only reason I haven't pulled the trigger on them is because they're not clear. Yeah. um, Which I recognize as a a material issue. And yeah, they're not plastic. I think they're I think they're better for a lunch container than for just like storing things in your fridge. Definitely. But yeah, they have really nice tumblers and um, yeah, like lunch containers, basically. And then Swell also recently came out with food containers. So Swell bottles, everybody's familiar with. They came out with little snack containers and then also meal containers that are really thoughtfully designed specifically for sort of bringing your lunch to work and heating it up and all of that. Or keeping it hot and cold um, Mm -hmm. on the go. Exactly. Um, You are the recent recipient of one of these discoveries. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Um, There is a company called Arc, A-A-R-K-E, that makes a beautiful seltzer machine. So if you are not a fan of SodaStream for whatever reason, because of how they look or anything else, Arc is a great alternative to this solution to to making your own seltzer at home. Because I also hate buying seltzer and feeling like I'm wasting so much plastic or glass or whatever. And also just having to go to the grocery all the time to lug it back and forth. So Chris gave me one for Valentine's Day and I've been loving it. We put it on our bar cart and it's so beautiful that I don't mind it sitting there. That's great. That's really wonderful. Something else I'm upset about. I couldn't believe you hadn't seen these. I, I don't know where, I don't know what world I operate in that I had, but crystal water bottles, Ugh. the gem water bottles that are like a hundred bucks and there's a piece of quartz on the bottom and they balance you. I was so upset about it. Yeah, I, maybe everybody else already knew about these, but I saw many versions of them at the trade show and had never seen them before. They're water bottles with a crystal inside. To balance you or to heal you or whatever. I was so, ugh. <sighs> The other thing, we only saw one version of this, and Erica thinks maybe it's already been happening. So, well, we're, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction here. I think it's gonna be happening more. I think you're. I don't think you're wrong yeah. about that at all. Um, patches, so like delivering CBD or any type of vitamin, vitamin or whatever. B. Yeah, there are hangover ones for vitamin B. Right. Wait, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, via a patch. So this company, the Good Patch, makes very cute ones, and they have a million different varieties depending on if you want to be more awake, more asleep, whatever. I do think we're going to see more, and I think it's going to proliferate in the way that face ma- like the uh, sheet masks, masks yeah, did, yeah. where it's like a cute package or a cute shape, or you know, they all promise to do all sorts of various things, and yeah. they're great for gifting or just like buying three at a time. Or just whatever. feels like we're all trying to consume so many different things. We've got to find different ways to deliver it to. Yeah, our- we only got one mouth. That's <laughs> right. You know, so slap a patch on your veins. What a hindrance. You could put (laughs) patches everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Anything else? I think that's it. That's our big trend report. Trend report. Trend trend casters over here. Yeah, that's right. Um, That's the show. Bye. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at claireandericacom 